Our scripture this morning is from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. I felt a surge of hope watching the inauguration. With the beautiful diversity and giftedness of our country on full display, it was easy to forget our challenges for a time. In the days since the inauguration, I keep thinking of the new Madam Vice President. I keep thinking specifically of her words as she walked along the parade route and a reporter asked about her priorities. She replied, just walking to work. This time of year, for those of us who use the lectionary, it's a bit like reading through Jesus's inauguration. Following the birth stories, we begin to read of how Jesus began his public ministry. We read of baptism, temptation, first sermon, calling the disciples. Jesus gets to work. My friends, we have work to do. Let's ride on the hope bolstered in these days and live into that hope by getting to work. Last Sunday, we asked with the crowds gathered at the river with John, what then should we do? John was clear in his answer, repent, he cried, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And then he added, share, act justly, don't exploit others. Jesus came to be baptized to align himself with these teachings, to dedicate himself to the realm of God to associate himself with the oppressed over against the oppressor. Mark moves the story quickly from Jesus' baptism to today's lection, noting in between that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days but giving no details. Mark seems to want to get straight to today's scripture reading, to the beginning of Jesus' particular ministry. While Jesus aligned himself with John and with John's teaching, he's now setting out on his own. He's walking to work. And along the way, Jesus proclaims, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus moves into his public ministry with this message. This message. The message is, there's another kingdom. There's a kingdom of peace and sharing of love and justice. We must not accept despair and oppression as normal. Did people hear this and breathe a sigh of relief? Did hope begin to bloom? Did they hear and wonder how they might be part of this new realm? We don't know much about the response to this first sermon. We do know according to the story in Mark, that soon after saying these words, 
Jesus must have realized that he needed community. Because in Mark we read, As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Jesus must have realized as he walked to work that he could not do it alone, that he needed help and connection. Follow me, he said. He asked, he implored. Follow me, he said, as they threw their nets into the water. They're fishermen, embedded in the imperial economy. Rome asserted control over land and sea, their production and the transportation and marketing of their yields with contracts and with taxes. Jesus disrupts these men's lives. Jesus calls them to a different loyalty, to a different way of life. Jesus creates a new community and gives them a new task. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. This is the realm of God breaking into the despair of Roman-ruled Galilee. At our lectionary lab, when we discussed this passage, one of our group pointed out that Jesus asks fishermen to fish for people, and how often we use a fish hook to symbolize this. But these men are not fishing with hooks. They're fishing with nets. There's a big difference. Nets collect and gather and join together. Choosing to follow the teachings of Jesus is to be collected into the net of love, of justice, of peace. Jesus is just walking to work, and soon he's not walking or working alone. Soon those fishermen cast a different kind of net for a different kind of fish. These new nets are formed from strands of hope and healing, of compassion and freedom, of a call to join in the work. It's not long before they put these new nets to work. They come upon two other brothers, James and John, who are also fishermen, and Jesus calls to them, and they leave their nets and their father, and they follow. Others will join them. Some of their names we know, names like Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and other names have been erased by time or the patriarchy, but not entirely erased. Matthew 27 notes, many women were also there, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The mother of the sons of Zebedee was a follower of Jesus. The brothers left their nets and their father, but their mother came with them, joining them as one of Jesus' disciples. So their family became part of a new family and joined with other families and began to live into the reign of God. And so we read, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Together, Jesus and the disciples bring good news, bring an alternative to imperial violence, to normalized abuse and oppression. Together, Jesus and the disciples heal and cure the injured and the ill. 
Some 70 to 90% of the people in Rome's empire experienced varying degrees of poverty, from the very poorest to those who temporarily fell below subsistence levels. Understandings of hygiene were limited. Social stresses were high. Water quality was poor. Food insecurity was rife. Such factors resulted in widespread diseases associated with poor nutrition and a lack of immunity. These kinds of diseases were death-bringing in a world that required physical labor for survival. We know about death-bringing diseases. We know about cancer and heart disease. We know about food insecurity. We know about poor water quality. We know about social stresses. We know about a virus that has killed over 410,000 people just in our country and more than 2 million of us around the world. We know what it is to need healing. In Jesus' time, as in our own, it's not just about the disease of the body. It's also the damage of systemic oppression. The stories of Jesus' healings are not just about disease, they're enactments of repair. Repair of imperial damage and the creation of the realm of God and restoring people's lives. There is healing work that we are called to do. Healing of bodies and systems. Healing of injustice and oppression. This is the kingdom of God near and here, already and not yet. There is work to be done. Will we follow Jesus? Will we walk to work with him? Have you heard a call to follow? A call to expand the net ever wider, to help and heal, to work for peace and justice? I have. I've heard it again and again. I have found that deciding to follow Jesus is not about one decision, not even one decision each day. It's hundreds of decisions. It's choosing peace. It's choosing justice. It's choosing love. I've mentioned before that I was six years old, one month from seven, sitting in a small, once rural, now suburban church in Camden, South Carolina, when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I'd been thinking about it for some time. The popular image of Jesus standing at a door and knocking always made me want to cry. Poor Jesus, just standing and knocking outside of people's hearts, hoping to be let in. Whether it was culture or compassion for an exhausted Jesus, I was glad to welcome him into my heart. I walked the aisle and I prayed a prayer. I prepared for baptism and I let Jesus into my heart. I never imagined Jesus entering my cardiovascular system, but I didn't consider the ongoing implications very well either. I did not realize I was letting Jesus into my decision-making. I thought I was making one decision, one and done. I grew up squarely in the once saved, always saved camp of Christianity. I was told that my six-year-old decision was a one-time deal. I said a prayer and I was baptized and that was that. I was saved and once saved, always saved. Maybe so, 
and saved from what? When we consider following Jesus as a way of life, as a living into the hope of the realm of God's love, then there cannot be one moment, one decision. No, it's about a journey, about a lifetime, about choosing love and healing and justice and compassion. It's about trying to save the world, the world that Jesus cared so much about. Choices are hard. It seems to me that following Jesus is about getting up each day and getting to work. The work of the transformation of the world by joining in the work Jesus was passionate about. Work to create the kingdom of God on earth where the oppressed are freed. Where peace is secured not through violence but through love. Where justice is established through sharing, compassion, and economic transformation where welcome unfolds through radical inclusion. Our choices matter. This is not about guilt and shame. It's about being empowered. We're never done. The work isn't finished. The choosing isn't complete. We must keep choosing. And this means that when we make a mistake, we might be curious about our motivations but we can move forward knowing that we get another chance and then another and another. Curiosity rather than judgment might help us make a different choice the next time. The choices we make add up to a way of life, the way of Jesus for those of us who choose to follow is not always easy. It's not even always obvious. It's the path we walk. It's the work we do. So what work are we doing? What path are we following? How are we living into hope, living into being anti-racist, living into our own healing and the healing of the world? These are not rhetorical questions. Make a list. Remind yourself of your commitments. Let's walk to work. Amen.